Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. It's been a while. If you guys wondered where I've been, you know, just had a child, so have to do dad stuff now, and sitting around for an hour isn't the best use of my time. So not that I don't enjoy it. I just needed to, like, get into the swing of things, and now we're back. And we have great guests today. Jatman, how's it going, bro? I'm doing great. Really happy to be here. Yeah, so I actually, I was on your podcast, so uh, mm -hmm. interested to be on the other side of this now. Now I get the controls and ask you the questions, but as a fan of Fortnite, as somebody that just hopefully watched FNCS Grand Finals, I thought that was some of the most entertaining Fortnite that I've seen in a while. Um, did you watch it? You know, what are your thoughts? Would love to kind of dive into that with you. Yeah. So, yeah, I was doing a, a watch party for Prodigy. Um, so we were mainly focused on our rosters, players, of course. Um, but, you know, you, you watch the broadcast, you get a good feel for a lot of the storylines and all that stuff. And it, it was it was it was really, really fun to watch. Um, I think I, I mostly watched NA. I saw some EU highlights. Um, it was it, day one was not as interesting, I think, um, but it was still an overall really enjoyable watch experience. Um, day two was really, really cool to seeing, you know, all the convergence of everybody um, competing really well and, you know, storylines that were kind of coming to a head right towards the end. You get a feel for, you know, all of that. And Prodigy won four out of the six games on day two. So that was a big uh, personal bonus for me um, and the org proud of all the all the boys. So nice. So you guys um like what's your involvement with prodigy i see you're the content yeah, so, director but what does that yeah, mean so that's my official title um i've taken on a lot more responsibility i think than just that so you know what i was brought on for originally was um to oversee all of the content production um to ideate content to execute recordings and things of that nature um just kind of making sure all of our socials especially our youtube um runs well and yeah i've, I've done a lot more than that now i'm kind of in a head management type of role as well um so we're we're doing everything um budgeting and signings and all that stuff um so yeah i've just i've just kind of uh i'm in conversations with the ownership and management a lot um as well as making sure the content runs smoothly nice i imagine that's a disaster at times with a new organization not gonna like Ooh, to say um, that negatively but that's just how it works you know trying to start a business and that's inherently mm -hmm. what an esports organization is and yeah. dealing with mostly young people. And I mean, yourself included, yeah. you're fairly young. Um, I'm old for the calm, <laughs> I would say. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I get called an old man all the time. But yeah, no, I, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I am still very young. Yeah. Um. So how has like when did you start and, you know, how did that develop? Because now it sounds like you're doing three jobs yeah um so it, it started you know during covid i feel like that's a lot of the people's stories at this point now um in the esports scene especially but i in my sophomore year of high school i had a, a car accident that caused a knee injury that um ended up resulting in two surgeries um i lost sports after that point so i was a, i was a multi-sport athlete uh, football basketball baseball was my whole thing um, as well as performing arts. I was an actor, singer, dancer, whatever. Um, so I was doing a lot and then it kind of went to nothing. Um, I ended up transferring out of the school that I was at from seventh grade through my sophomore year 
to the best like public high school in my state um, because I couldn't play sports because I couldn't I, I wasn't really participating in performing arts anymore. So um, COVID was around and I was doing no extracurriculars. So I was just really bored at home all day. So I was playing a lot of Fortnite anyway, and I was watching, you know, Ninja and Tim the Tatman and Cypher PK and just, you know, all these creators. And I was like, wow, this is like so cool. And I just felt like it was a really cool space. And, and there was a lot of um, opportunity to use the talents that I had built up um, throughout my life. So I started making content and uh, just kind of went from there. I was, ma- I was a, you know, independent content creator and doing Twitch streams and all that for a couple of years. And um, then it was, I think around January of last year, um, Pipeline was building their roster and they kind of wanted to venture more into content. And they, um, I, I had a VAV, one of the owners on my podcast and we started talking from there and, and I was like, just kind of jokingly after, cause I, I like to, um, kind of decompress with my guests after a recording and just, you know, kind of off the record and, um, I build connections the same way and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so we were just talking and I was, I kind of like jokingly threw out like, oh yeah, maybe like, you know, pipeline would want to bring on the podcast as part of you know their whole umbrella and branching out into different types of content and he was like you know what that's actually not a terrible idea let me think about that and then we started talking and it was about a month later i think that we actually signed contracts and um during that that negotiation period they um wanted to bring me on as more than that so i was i was doing the content thing there and i guess their idea with that was they wanted me to be the face of the brand because they had a lot of like faceless players and creators and they just kind of wanted something consistent across all of the team socials and team content um so that's what i became i was doing um all the team videos i was at least the intro or outro you know just so there was a familiar face and um, kind of a rhythm to it that people were used to um and then I was, you know, doing interview content and watch parties and podcasts and all that under the the pipeline name. And I think that was when I think that would be if anyone knows me in the com, that would be for sure what I'm most known for is that period on pipeline. Um, and that was just kind of the springboard. I made a lot of connections and networking uh, through that time, which I'm super grateful for. Um, the podcast, you know, continue to do better. And we continue getting better and better guests throughout that time. And then now so I was I was a free agent when pipeline disbanded uh, when we when we shut down, which was heartbreaking for me because I was it was truly like a magical experience for me on that org. Um, yeah, and then and then I was in talks with several orgs for the first like month that I was a free agent and nothing really panned out. Nothing felt right to me. Um, and then one of my buddies from Pipeline, one of the old owners, Sad, hit me up and was like, hey, like, you might want to reconsider this with Prodigy. And I got in talks with them again. And, you know, we were talking and I really liked the vision that they had. Um, it gave me, I think, a lot of the best parts of w- what I saw in Pipeline was here, but it was also unique and different and new. Um, and it felt like just the right step in my career. So that's why I'm here now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um. From my personal experience, I wonder why the heck you would start an esports org. Not saying like yeah. why yeah. you would become part of one, because like it is enjoyable, especially when someone's fronting the bill for it to work yeah. on something and help build. But like, why the heck now, especially when money mm. seems way more expensive than it did the past 
two, three years during COVID. Um, I know I'm not asking you to like speak on behalf of prodigy, but like, do you know any idea why they decided now? Yeah, No, I, I totally know what you're getting at. And I, I have this conversation all the time. Um, I think, you know, I, I think it started for them this a, a lot of the same way that a lot of these, I call them pop-up teams or Twitter teams or, you know, whatever you want to call them, where, yeah. um, you know, kids that are in the comm and, and love competitive Fortnite, like, they have this vision and they're like, oh, well, you know, I see all these people doing it and I want to I want to do it. I want to own it. And I think the, the, the vision is very short term of like, we have X amount of dollars that we can throw and we're going <laughs> to enter the space. We're going to, you know, make branding and all of that. And we're going to kind of go through the motions of what we think running an organization looks like, um, which is ve- usually very surface level understanding. They just think it's like posting on Twitter and having a Twitter and like signing players and that's it. And like, so they'll just come in to the scene, make a wave, make a splash by like signing a free agent. Who's like way too expensive for their first signing, especially um and then they'll run out of money in a couple of months and then they disappear uh, and that's just kind of the cycle that you see um continuously you know and prodigy um i think was on that same track in in all honesty um it was just kind of they were just kind of delaying the inevitable i mean they're they've been around i think 8 months this month okay um so not extremely long but longer than some have lasted but yeah you make it a year was, you're pretty good yeah but that was um that was something, you know, that was a big thing for me, right? Because in interviewing um, in, in orgs and stuff, it wasn't just, oh, I want to be on an org or I want to get a free, you know, X amount of dollars per month for doing basically nothing. Um, I really wanted something that I felt like had long-term um, potential. I wouldn't say guarantee because orgs are just not in that space, but I mm-hmm. I want to take on that challenge. And, and with PL, like right before we ended we were actually about to turn profitable like it was not about money and i think everyone assumed it was because it was the same cycle but we were we were going through a very intentional restructuring with contract structures and with monetization routes how we were doing that and all that stuff to try and make it break even or profitable and we would have been um with where we were headed it was just a disagreement amongst the management and the ownership um on how we wanted to proceed and continue or it was just a I think everyone was pretty stressed out and there was a lot of animosity and investors were dropping out. So I think it put more pressure on the ones that remained. But we were really willing to try and take that on because we wanted to build the next 100 Thieves, the next phase, you know, and that takes um, running things super unorthodox comparatively to how orgs are run for for the mainstay uh, nowadays. So Prodigy, I think we're taking on that same challenge and we've kind of me and sad especially they like they brought us kind of both on in around similar times um and we have really been like hey don't make the same mistakes as us like at at pl and like we we really wanted we kind of view that as our second chance to relive that golden age of prodigy that we feel like we were about to step or pl that we were about to step into with prodigy now um so we're 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 really trying to go unorthodox you know like we just uh we just dropped death and tahi which I think a lot of people, if you're looking at it from the tunnel vision of the Fortnite scene, it's like, those are your best assets, um, which don't get me wrong. I love them and they are valuable assets um, that they're great creators and players. Um, but we, we're kind of trying to do things different so that we can try to pave the path or, or get 
as close to that break even or profit point as possible. Um, so I, I think that has become the that like the why for me. Um, and I think I've kind of imbued that vision of something long term and building a business, which takes a lot of sacrifices in the short term. Um, you know, it's like, even if we have X budget to work with, let's not spend the entirety of that on player and creator salaries, right? Like that, there's a lot of stuff that um, is, I think, uncomfortable, or is not the ideal for these kids who just have big bright eyes about the Fortnite competitive scene and getting their names out there. But I think in terms of um, really making a wave in esports the way it stands right now, that's how it's going to be. Yeah, well, and I, I think the biggest thing is being able to actually earn some revenue because at mm -hmm. first that becomes really difficult to do. YouTube and TikTok are probably the two like fastest paths to that. Yeah. But most legitimate brands, unless you've absolutely exploded, they're going to want six months of history before they even decide that, like, nah, it's not worth my time. Like, there's plenty of companies and organizations offering the same or similar things to you. Yeah. So now that you've the groundwork of the six months is there, now, like, you can start reaching out for sponsorships and things like that. But it's still an uphill battle. There's a lot that yeah. goes into it. I, I don't I don't envy people. I, I think. Yeah. I talked to you about like I worked with elite a couple of years ago and mm -hmm. it just it's way more work than I wanted to put in in order for it to work. And like you yeah. have to make sacrifices like you just said. And for me at the time, I wasn't willing to do that. So props to you for mm -hmm. being willing to to put in the time and effort um, and going back to like death and Tahi, I think a lot of people see the names and that's all they see. But mm -hmm. there's so much more value certain players bring. Like someone that's consistent, shows up on time, does their stuff, yeah. not afraid to put their face out there, streams with a face cam, actually yeah. streams yep. regularly, puts out content. Like those are the biggest things that it comes down to um, to bring yeah. value back to an organization. Because granted, most players don't do much for the org after the official announcement tweet. Yep. And yep. I mean... Hey, there's some that are great examples, but there's also yeah. way more players that are absolutely terrible that don't actually yeah. put in the effort. So no, there's finding there's those, yeah, yeah, finding those like good ones is key yeah. to being successful. Um, like NPen on Elite, I think is a great example oh, of yeah. someone that Man, has been consistent. Maybe didn't have like mm -hmm. a massive blow up right away, but like now he has, yeah. and he's blown up on TikTok, seeing more consistency, and that growth then mm -hmm. translates back to what you're trying to do. Yep. Yeah. I, there's a there's been a culture I think um, in the scene, and I think this is due to the inherent youngness and I think immaturity of the Fortnite scene specifically um, of entitlement, and I think that a lot of players and creators um think that you know an announcement tweet and then repping the org in their ign and their twitter is um a fair service for the compensation that they're receiving and that's just not for for orgs to exist that can't be the standard um it, it just cannot be that bare bones or or they need to start expecting a lot less money for that those types of things but the the expectation on this side is I'm going to get my rent paid for, or I'm getting, you know, a nice little um, stack of cash that's going to pad my cash flow every month. 
um in exchange for i mean really that is almost nothing um yes like you're you're kind of piggybacking the org's brand on your brand but um there's not enough going in and out and that's you know something that we've we've focused on um in terms of contract restructuring um is to try and eliminate that as much as possible and i think that will also inherently um weed out anybody who is unwilling to enter a mutually beneficial business relationship because that's what it should be we should be benefiting each other it shouldn't be a one-way street either yeah. way um and and that's uh i think that's a hard concept that's that's maybe lost on a lot of the bigger names in the scene and that's also changed our signing strategy to maybe not include some of the biggest names in the scene uh you know like one of the biggest uh examples from from pipeline was cooper cooper was pretty unknown when we signed him i mean he had like 5k earned and basically no followers on anything um but you know we had a really great recruiter in a vaft and we he saw the potential and, and i saw the potential in his content he he is a great speaker a great interviewer um so you know and he, and he blew up and now he's one of the biggest names in the scene right now um so i think taking those and trying to create create growth and and, and um cultivate it our system um, is something that we're focusing on now instead of just throwing money at the big names and trying to get them to because realistically we're borrowing their brand that's yeah. you know for the, for the period of time that they are contracted and i think you know you were kind of alluding to this earlier when you're running an organization it's it's almost as if you're just one giant content creator like you have to worry about your brand as an organization independent of whoever is on your roster at the time now yes you build that by having familiar names in the scene that, you know, ha have their stay there and all of that stuff and build familiarity with your brand. But you are, the whole point is to be using that to strengthen your brand over time to where it becomes its own independent thing. I mean, you look at a Dignitas or, you know, whoever, any of the top names in the scene right now, their their brand is completely independent of whoever's on their roster at the time. And that's the goal. That's what you're building towards as a business as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's changed a lot of how we do things. Yeah, I would say the i mean obviously the coopers are very few and far between and of course, yeah. um I, the hardest part is trying to find someone that's willing to put in the effort and mm -hmm. i've changed my tone on this like at first i used to used to harp on players that they had to create content they need to be doing mm -hmm. these things but then now more recently i've realized one how hard it is just to make content like i was mm -hmm. doing it but also like didn't really do much else if i'm being mm -hmm. honest and then it's really hard to be a top player in in this game and stay a top player so then combining those two things having to deal with both of them makes it really difficult so you either need a great team around you like editor yeah. someone that'll grab clips for you someone constantly reminding you like hey make sure you save your games because that's a big thing that like some players yeah. just don't even think about and nor should they sometimes when you're in an FNCS yeah. grand finals, that should right. be the last thing you're thinking about. But if you want to make more than just being a player, that is something you have to think about. And I mean, there are ways in certain players that I, I hope could do those things. And there's mm -hmm. players that I've thought could do those things and it just doesn't happen. Um, so I, I hope to see, I think, we are in, I keep calling this the golden age of Fortnite, um, mm. but we've had like Kanata, 
come back to Twitch and absolutely, and I don't want to say blow up because he was huge already, but like yeah, his streams yeah. stayed really solid since coming back. Mm-hmm. Cooper just blew up Asian Jeff uh, reason out in the EU just had a massive blow up. Um, so we're seeing a ton of it at the moment. Yeah. And I, I think it's all just from like the effort that the players have put in finally now picking up because it's not just like you go from zero to 10,000, a million in like a few months, like you you lay the the framework. And then once you get there, start having success, then you're already a a machine that then is able to take advantage of what you're doing. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, do you have any insights into like, I don't know that you're recruiting or whatnot, but what mm. your game plan is, is? Say you could pick any player right now, regardless if they're on a roster. Ooh. Like, Ooh. who are you with the thought that you actually have to pay them what they're worth, too? Not just yeah. you yeah, have to bring them on. Um, My personal signing philosophy would center around who can balance the best and who is a strong asset in both aspects in both regards especially when you think about roi in in regards to the the org side the business side um because it's so you know when we restructured and and the way we're restructuring right now is we want to have a very small core roster for competitive um that we really do believe in and that they can focus on competitive but we still want them to participate in team videos and all of that stuff um but then we're also we want to pad that with as much content as possible and and build the the org's brand. Um, if I were looking at specific people to sign, um, I mean, just because I know Cooper personally, I love Cooper and his work ethic is is insane. Um, he he is a he does not have as much of that ego, I think, that a lot an entitlement that a lot of the other people that are similar in size to him have. Um, you know, someone like. A Cooper or an Asian Jeff or um, even Peterbot, I think, makes really good content when he's trying. I would wish he would stream more if I were to, to sign him personally. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of those younger, less entitled um, guys who are able to make entertaining content and be a content creator and, and also compete at, at a high level. I mean, I would rather sign somebody who's a top 15 top 20 consistently in grands that also makes a consistent content stream than someone who i feel like only has a chance of reaching a top three okay i feel like those are one and the same to be honest like i i guess not there's definitely teams that i think actually have a chance to win versus like the teams in the top 15 or so um Mm. But yeah, it is it is complicated. And the way I see it is being a Fortnite org is limited. Um and we can move on. I mean, if you don't want to talk about this, it's just I whatever. I, um, whatever you want to talk about. Um Okay. Um but game. like being a Fortnite org is limited from what we've seen, all the largest ones, like Hundred Thieves was the example you gave earlier. Like you have to expand beyond just a single game and even like a single creator, you need to be able to do that. And I mean, there's very few, I think wave is one of the few within Fortnite that has been able to like branch out beyond. I'm trying Mm -hmm. to think of others that were 
started in the game and then yeah, became yeah, yeah. more, but I can't, to be honest. Um, None come to mind for me either off the top of my head, but yeah. Have you thought about that challenge of like how you get Definitely. beyond that? Definitely. I, Cause I think um, Fort is very unique, maybe in a, in a bad way in regards to the reputation that it has um, outside of the bubble of the game and, and the scene. Um, I think it's very hard to transition out uh, for that reason, because people look at Fortnite and they're like, oh man, like the things those pros are doing and saying and all of that stuff. Um, the reputation is, is I, I don't think it's completely undeserved or, or I would say it's mostly deserved um, in regards to, you know, what is the standard in this community? You hear the horror stories all the time. If you go on the timeline, you will see something um, that's like, oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's a, it's absolutely a challenge. And that's something that we've talked about a lot um, in regards to, again, like the, the caliber of person that we want on our organization representing our brand um, and having, you know, things in line that try and rally that in and and you know things like social media training where it's like yeah you can post these things you cannot post these things don't say this don't do this don't you know all of that stuff um because you'll see i mean you'll see for examples like you'll see pros uh i remember dreamhack dallas of last year there was a, a couple pros who posted like pictures of uh, or tweets of them like uh that were either alluding to the fact that they had been drinking or just proving straight up that they had been drinking and like people know their ages like the, you're you're a public figure people know how old you are so it was like they were incriminating themselves on twitter which was just like insane to me that they're just so willing to do that and that they're not worried about what that can do to like their brand um so that's something that that we want to eliminate and kind of create a culture um at least at, at our organization level i would love if it spread to the rest of fortnite esports um but at our organization level to try and create a culture of, of professionalism that is super absent in the scene. I think ex barring, you know, those top organizations that know what they're doing and, you know, have everything in place um, like a Dignitas, I, I think is always going to be the example, at least for this era of Fortnite. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, it, it and it, it would, I, I think it's, it's lost on the players that how that would affect the Fortnite esport product as a whole. You know, like that it just if, if they were taking if Fortnite Esports was taken more seriously because of, you know, uh, a level of professionalism that isn't there right now, uh, I think it would have this surge. It would it would be the closest that we've gotten to, I think, the truest potential of Fortnite as an esport, because I, I truly believe from the bottom of my heart that Fortnite would be the biggest esport in the world bar none it would not be anywhere close if it reaches its furthest potential um and i think it, it's limited a lot just by the the reputation now that it is uh garnered from that younger more immature scene yeah i think that's part of it i mean part of it's also bugs cheaters all this stuff yeah that goes absolutely. on um i just talking to some people that like follow esports but not necessarily Fortnite. It's like one, yeah. they definitely do see it as a kid's game. Like that's a huge mm -hmm. thing that has to be overcome. And I, I think it, it slowly is as the top players age up because yeah. now you think, I mean, 
Cooper's what, 16, 17 years old at this point now. Yeah. Peter bought 16, 17 years old. And like they were yeah. the youngins and now they're about to be 18 yeah. shortly. Um, yeah. And I believe like Miro, Booga, like they're all turning 21. 19, 20. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. Kind of crazy to see we've gone from like this group of children that were really good at this video game. Now it's like a group of young men and seeing how they've held themselves because there's some great examples like acorn, I think is one of my favorite examples of a player that didn't necessarily want to do content all the time. You can see there's lulls and when he is active and not, but dude's a fucking winner. And like, he just wants to, to win. He wants to be the best and talking to him, it, it it stands out all he cares about is like i want to be the best and then like on the opposite side i guess not opposite but like in a similar vein you have like a booga who's been at the top for i guess four or five yeah. years now and somehow still stays there um which yeah. is unbelievable and i think those stories ex- especially longer ones like a mongrel savage coming back on eu that recaptivates yeah. a lot of people that were like oh i didn't necessarily know that they they were still playing this game and yeah. they're not children anymore so it's like it turns mm-hmm. a gear in people's head that now allows them to i guess rethink of fortnite as an esport and also i think the product's getting better um yeah absolutely visually from if you were to watch a broadcast or if you were to go mm-hmm. watch, let's say, Mongrel or Savage, I do think what we're watching is now better than it's been. Granted, it's not perfect, but it's definitely yeah. better. And it allows people to understand it more Yeah, because that's also a huge challenge of like, this game is so freaking complicated. And if yeah. you play the game, you probably still have no idea what competitive Fortnite looks like. Yeah. No, I, digestible was going to be the word that came to mind for me in terms of, in regards to the where the product has gone. Um, you see the care taken, especially with the broadcast. You know, like like I said, doing a watch party, um, watching the official broadcast, like the care that was taken to try and make sure that things like storm search were understood. You know, and and in a package that's understandable for the demographic and the audience like that's no small feat it because storm surge i i think most people like you said still wouldn't under truly understand what that actually is yeah and, it's and also, how much thought needs to go into that it's um, impossible to explain to someone one time like you have yeah, to watch multiple yeah. broadcasts in order to understand it because mm-hmm. the best explanation could happen while you're listening fully paying attention and you still won't get it so like it needs yeah. to be reinforced time after time and you need to find a way to keep people coming back so that they can learn the little intricacies sorry i cut you off yeah no no absolutely um that's a great point no it is um but things like that i the the competitive package really has improved so much um especially you know i think since the time um of invitational and raleigh they've we've really seen a progression um in that sense i was unable to attend copenhagen last year but i hear it was just unbelievable um and and a marked improvement which is great because raleigh was like invitational was truly one of the best experiences um that i've had in the scene and and i still have very very fond memories of it uh but yeah the competitive product i've been very impressed with and i've seen the care that's been taken um and and it feels like there's been 
more freedom than there has in the past to refine the competitive product kind of i think for epic it seems to me like they're kind of saying as long as you stay in your lane you can you know make it the best that you can um i think they're they're limited in what they can do but they are trying to maximize um to that limit um on the competitive side which i'm very happy about as something that you touched on that i think is super interesting is like this is the hardest esport in the world and i think maybe because of the reputation or because it you know it, it's a cartoony graphic kids game or whatever the the thing is i think that's lost some people um but it truly is like i mean to to compete at the top level of this game is just as hard as any other esport and then you add things like building and editing and storm surge and and you know all of that stuff on top of it 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 truly is just unbelievable what these people are capable of and i would dare to say that the average viewer listener watcher has no clue how much better the average tier two or tier three pro is than them um you know it, it's kind of like I, I don't know if you i i think you're an nba guy um, I, I like my fair share of sports you, you know the brian scalabrine is that his name the the quote of like yeah the white yeah, mama I'm closer, yeah i'm closer to lebron than you are to me you know he he like said that and i feel like that in regards to fortnite is super applicable as well um those guys at the top level can do things and they they have things going through their brain like you can watch them and think oh he did a mongo classic exactly what was going through his head but like there's a million things that you wouldn't even clock on that they're they're thinking and going through and i wish that that was understood um when people are are watching you know like the broad like it's so there's so much depth to the game that people don't understand what they're watching when they're watching it. And I, and I feel like if that understanding were communicated, which is not, it's so much easier said than done that the esport would have a better reputation and, and maybe be more respected. Yeah. I always think it comes back to fundamentals. Like the pros mm -hmm. are just so fundamentally sound versus the average player must make just within a fight, like 30 mistakes. And mm -hmm. there's in, inbox movement the timing of when you actually make the edit the edit you choose the yeah. shot you take where you're yeah. moving after you take the shot like are you strafing mm -hmm. left or right are you going to yeah. then reset your build and then hold it after like there's so much just within a simple wall-to-wall -wall box fight that can be broken down where a lot of the top pros in the back of their mind they're doing it perfectly but they don't realize that because they're playing so freely. Whereas, I mean, I, I don't know how good you are, but you're not a pro player. So I'm going to say you and I, yep. we would make mistakes within those fights and we're not winning anywhere. I mean, maybe f I give myself five rounds. If I were to play a hundred in a box fight, I think I could take <laughs> yes. off one of the pros. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's the level of consistency because Fighting someone like Peterbot, yeah. he moves so quickly that you yeah. rarely get opportunities to actually shoot him. And and it's crazy. Yeah. If you watch, go watch replay mode, and you watch a player that gets taken out, their POV, and you yep. watch how yep. Peterbot kills them, there's like yep. two small opportunities to get maybe get chip damage on him. Otherwise, he's yep. just like moving, shot, build. Okay, I just shot a yep. wall, and this guy's disappeared. So, yeah. That is, like you said, impossible, I think, to really discuss during a broadcast. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm going to sit there and tell you, like, oh, man, his 
strafe to the left along with the edit that he put down and then the reset of the build like that one okay i'm gonna go on a little bit of a rant here i apologize go ahead one i feel like recently the broadcast has not let or at least just on na has not let fights like breathe afterwards because Mm. after every elimination it was like immediately switch and yes i know there's action going on there's 100 players we're only going to be able to see one pov maybe two at the same time but even still i don't think the two povs actually works because you're only watching one of the two and Mm -hmm. they would go like elim switch to a whole nother fight it's like sometimes Mm -hmm. just like let it breathe let the analyst or the the commentator break down what just happened explain it and then after we feel like that's had an opportunity Mm -hmm. of a breath then Mm -hmm. move on to the next one. And that's one thing that I feel like we've gone from because of the speed at which Fortnite is played. We've gone from interesting early game, boring mid game for 15 minutes to awesome end game that everyone wants to watch. And then we've had storm surge changes. We've had zone changes. Now it's pretty much like early game fights off spawn straight into the next fights, straight into the next fights. And I do think it's good. Like, I think it's entertaining, but I also think that within like me just thinking, you know, within an NBA game or an NFL game, there are natural pauses where you're given time to develop a situation or explain a situation or even present Mm -hmm. like what you're about to see. You know, there's 30 seconds left two timeouts for both teams. Here's how we see this is going to happen. And this team needs this. That lacks, I feel like within Mm. Fortnite and granted, it's a brand new product, right? Blast has been doing this for two and a half, three years at the, the time, which is nothing. So hopefully they get better at it. They've been given years now to do it. Um, but I, to me, that's the biggest improvement that needs to happen is finding like, a more natural mm. way to show the game that allows more sure. than just like, oh, what's the word? Someone tweeted about this, but pretty much just reactionary casting content. Mm. Mm. Yeah, totally. Um, Sorry, there's my rant. No, no, I, I loved it. Um, and I agree. I, cause I, I do think um, in regards to the competitive product, it is all about, conversion of the casual audience i think it you know and and that's like it yes it is for the diehard fans just as much but like they understand a lot of that you know like the the true diehards the people who are like 21 sub to aussie i mean that's you know that's not exact translation but you know what i mean where they're invested in it and they know what they're they're talking about like they're gonna watch it and they're gonna understand a lot of what's going on that that casting and that education is not for you it just like with the NBA, a lot of that analysis is not really for people who have been playing basketball for 20 years and have been watching the NBA for that long and whatever. Like there will be things that you pick up on because those analysts know so much about the game and they're so passionate about it. But the product truly is for people that are on that learning curve who are towards the beginning of it that are developing in that sense. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it, it would, it would be awesome. I think, like you said, to see a more natural cadence and rhythm and dissection of like, here's why, like, here's the depth of what you just saw and why you don't understand how amazing it is. 
Um, and I, I think it would. It would build an appreciation like we were talking about earlier. Um, I fought Kanata in a Jerrion video. Um, it was me and Jerrion 2v1 versus Kanata. And there were legitimately times where he was shooting me and I didn't even know where he was. It wasn't just like, wow, how did he hit me there? It was literally like he was move he had access to faster movement or something than <laughs> I did. Like it it truly was mind-boggling to to like fight him and then think about like the average rank kid that I fight and like I'll I'll struggle against those guys. And then to think about him and like the level that he's at where i was seriously was like i'm fighting a ghost he's invisible he has to be like <laughs> i'm getting hit from angles i didn't even know were possible um but just a, a personal anecdote to add to what you were saying earlier like it, it truly is their echelons above and, and it's crazy and so I, i'm also as someone that's been on the broadcast i'm so hesitant of making it for the noob because mm. one I feel like I was not hired to talk about how you make a peanut butter edit, but at the same time, that's also yeah. somewhat part of it, right? Is someone says, mm. Oh, peanut butter edit. Like most people don't mm. know it. And maybe that's where you need to put like fly-ins where it says like peanut butter yeah. edit that shows what it is. Or, yeah. um, during a natural pause, you can kind of explain that, but I don't know. I, I, um, I'm on both sides because it's like one, you don't want to dumb down the esport so that like mm. the people that actually care about what's going on are going to be pissed off that you're just like sitting there explaining a peanut butter edit versus mm. you also need to be able to explain to me like I'm five sometimes of how yeah. this concept is or is not working. Um, yeah, I don't, the, I don't know. It's not just that the skill ceiling is so high. It's that the skill gap is bigger than any other esport i would say it, it i mean like a valorant you take a valorant like average ranked match it's going to have albeit at a at a lower level it's going to have echoes of what you're going to see at the top level there, yeah. there's a le there's an understanding that translates there fortnite that's not the case the you can't take a public match and try and you know uh, graft it onto what a competitive match looks like they're not going to match almost at all um, there's very very little similarity and I think that you know speaking to the issue and the difficulty of making the product palatable for the most amount of people as possible is you have to reach the widest canyons uh, of consumer it's not easy to do by any stretch so yeah it's like yeah I'm on both sides too because I don't want it to all just be you know Oh, this is what a mongrel classic is. This is what a peanut butter edit is. You know, like, oh, see how he opened a window there instead of, <laughs> you know, a wide edit. And it's like, but then at the same time, it's like you, you don't want to be so far into it that it's it's um inaccessible for the newer audience as well. It truly is like it's a really difficult thing to do. Yeah, I think that I mean, probably the NFL is the best example now mm. because they've been putting out um it's called All 22, where you have okay uh video perspectives of all of the cameras mm. so you pay for the service and then now there's people on youtube literally breaking down film of here's this angle this specific player this is why this play works and even i've mm. learned something i've watched the nfl my entire life and yeah, yeah. i've learned stuff this year watching youtube videos that i've never learned and didn't even like think of and yeah, that's not something that really in my brain I thought was possible that I'd be that ignorant about something I've watched my entire life. But that's true. Yeah. And I feel like it's now up to people 
whether it be like the official Fortnite competitive channels, people like Resub, mm-hmm. myself, organizations putting out content to mm-hmm. um, help create fans and create yeah. more educated fans that actually understand what's going on, um, which is a thing. Also, we just hit like peaks for this previous FNCS. So I'm yeah. like, do we really need to change too much? It seems like whatever's going on is working. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm also a little so I was having this discussion. Um, I don't know whether or not the views were botted this past weekend because it was like <laughs> it was insane. It, yeah. It's really like the I mean, I do think part of it was you know, the storylines and and I think the returning of major figures. Like you talked about EU, you have Mongrel and Savage qualifying the Grands, Mongrel's return. That was a huge thing because, you know, just like Fortnite OG, right? We saw the peak of those numbers because of uh, a callback, an homage, a return to the nostalgic age of the cultural phenomenon that was Fortnite at that time. Um, so I think that was part of it for sure. Um, I don't know. I mean, clicks his viewership, for example, peaking at whatever it was, 115k, 120k, definitely over 100. That that is insanity. Um, I mean, that's that's top. I don't know, probably 100 generously of of all of Twitch at the time. Like that, you know. I mean, he was. I know he was over Kaisen at at the time, so maybe even way above top 100. But like, I don't know. Um, I don't know about like I'm I'm not necessarily conspiracy theorists well maybe except for when it comes to yamzo and rise <laughs> um that was we can talk that, about that in a sec yeah um it was good to see though i mean i i loved it i loved seeing the numbers i love seeing the the i mean they were impression tweets but like of just these you know catalogs of everyone's live and they all have minimum 5k if they're a, a name that's been known for multiple years in the scene um i love seeing that i guess for me for from an uh, you know, from my perspective of like wanting to be a creator in the scene, wanting to have um, a career that is sustainable, those types of numbers like need to happen and continue and to grow and all that. So um, that was encouraging for me to see like Fortnite in that, that spot where I was like, oh, maybe there can be some hope. Like obviously this, that would just be the first brick in laying the the foundation of a groundwork for being able to have full-time careers within the esport. Um but yeah, it was super encouraging from that perspective. Yeah, I think if those numbers stay, because the category peaked at like over eight hundred thousand viewers on Sunday for EU, and I'm just That's like, insanity. dude, that is legitimately more peak viewership in the category than Global Championship back in October. And yeah. the only like single viewer average for the official Fortnite stream, I went through this. I, I've like. Because yeah, yeah. I am being a conspiracy theorist about this. And, like, <laughs> it, it's either awesome yeah. or we're all being, like, ha- having the Dude, wool pulled yeah. over our uh, our heads. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, for me, I would love if the numbers were true. It just doesn't right. seem like mm. week over week they would increase as much as they did, which is why I was confused. Um, sure. Like. Aussie had his biggest stream he's ever had. Yeah. Boop's numbers were crazy. Um, Amar was at like 40K as well. So all the 
the usual suspects were well above their normal numbers, which again, like it could honestly just be like, I'm hating. And this is something that's about to be awesome for the entire year because it does translate across like YouTube and TikTok. Mm. We're seeing Fortnite viewership just in general is way yeah. up. So yeah, yeah, maybe I'm just being a hater and like, I no, I, it's not being a hater. I, th- it's- I think it's somewhat founded. No, I, <laughs> I, I think some, some, true skepticism and criticism is absolutely you know there's there's a space for it I'm, I'm all about intellectualism i'm a philosophy major so that's like that's right up my alley i love that stuff yeah i think i'm just inherently skeptical of good things mm-hmm. like whenever some good happens i'm like nah <laughs> yeah. this yeah. this can't be it's too good um but i i guess there was bad during fncs and yam's own rise you said you want or you had a theory about that oh man. well I, okay i mean you look at the just the facts of they were in first by a considerable margin and all of a sudden you know they had had none of these problems through the first day and a half of grants you know the the their internet starts bugging out and they disconnect from two matches out of the last four um, with packet loss into the games they did get into, which is a significant factor, especially in a very, very laggy Grands Lobby. Oh, yeah. Um, I just, you know, considering the history, I mean, if I were a detective, I'm like, okay, what have Fortnite pros been proven to be willing to do in the past? I mean, we've had, you know, collusion, uh, you know, sur- surge trading, all of that stuff. We've had, you know, people in the top of the bracket paying people at the bottom to surprise con other people like we have had some pretty scummy or or um unethical some some things that yeah (laughs) that breaches of competitive integrity um that have happened so i don't unfortunately i don't put it past 90 something percent of the pros in that grand's lobby to do something like that to try and close that gap on the top of the leaderboard which is exactly what happened i mean they they dropped all the way to eighth um, by the end of, of grants, which is, I mean, one, you talk about the loss there. That's a significant difference in prize pool, in reputation. You know, if they want to get signed again somewhere, like that placement means a lot for them in their career. Um, but I, I, I think it's more likely that that was foul play than just a streak of unluck, um, which a lot of people, I think, wanted to write it off as maybe to, not address what's going on or to to say oh yeah like to, to clear people's names or whatever but yeah in, in terms of being a conspiracy theorist i think that for me was like i think there was absolutely some foul play there which is really unfortunate to all the stuff we've already talked about in terms of reputation and maturity and competitive integrity and all of that now do you think that it, it was a player that was in that lobby or obviously it wasn't them right they're too busy doing right, right, other right. things so they would have right. either told someone yeah. or paid someone to do somebody it somebody yeah. um or do you think I, it was someone they pissed off throughout their career mm. that said fuck this guy they're winning i'm gonna take him down i know his ip address um mm. I, I don't I, I don't know i i i don't know i just think given the circumstances because it wasn't like that they were just in the top pack they were in first by a considerable margin and those games were so key i mean if they had had two good games in games three and four of of day two they pretty much would have solidified at least a top five you know like they they would have been in that running pretty heavily it would have been really difficult to fall out of that 
So I think just the timing of it, the, the nature of where they were on the leaderboard, I could absolutely see it being someone who was in that that second pack, you know, because there, there's on a leaderboard, there's natural gaps. Yeah. There's like packs of people that all kind of move together. So like it'll usually be somewhere around fifth to eighth where you see this like big drop where it's like, depending on the format, it could be like 40 or 50 points where it's like, okay, these guys aren't really going to catch this pack, but this pack could make, you know, um, I could see it being anyone in that second pack group. Uh, I obviously don't remember who was in that group at the time of that leaderboard. Um, but Prodigy yeah, I, I could see that happening. Yeah, oh, man. Um, <laughs> no, um, I hope not. I, I wish Noxie had squeezed out a, a top five, but that's a completely different discussion. But um, no, I mean, I, I, I could see it being that that second. But I, I feel like that's the most likely explanation because it's like there's a very clear motive. There's a very clear reward, like uh, all of that stuff. But I don't know. Yeah, I think that also is like a generous thing to think that people just aren't a piece of shit that are going to try and take someone down just to see what happens. Which, unfortunately, mm. in this age of the internet, yeah. is oh, like uh, it, way too common. I think it's absolutely possible. I'm not dismissing that possibility. I just think it's more, more likely. Yeah, more probable that it was somebody who had a lot more to gain. But, yeah, I mean, no, I, I wouldn't put it past most of the stupid teenagers in this community, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I think that does kind of throw out a huge flaw. One with fortnite tournaments being online because now this this is like the first major time that i can remember it happening because i mean i believe this has happened in the past just not to like the first place team multiple games um but now almost you need as a player or a organization like the dignitas house they need to take cybersecurity very seriously like say their whole house got hit like that is a ton of money being lost by those players so that is now a whole another layer that one is a cost which everyone loves additional costs and two is like a fear that i'm sure yamzo rise next time they're in a grand finals will be there'll be a thought in the back of their mind of like, what if someone starts hitting us down or like their ping spikes yeah. for a second and they're like, Oh yeah, no, yeah. it's happening again. Um, yeah. And it's not like you can just have a land for grands for every single region, every single FNCS. Yo, but come I mean, on, just... give me that please. Oh, it would be fantastic. <laughs> like I, yeah, I mean, that would be, that would be my dream, but it's just not, it just, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It, it can't happen. Unfortunately. Um, Fortnite lands yeah, no, are it, so unsustainable and like typically not going to make money so it's just yeah. it's un- nonsensical I, yeah oh don't get me wrong i love that we're getting treated to one a year like the 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 year-long lead up to globals format i'm very very happy with that because i mean they are they're just i i've preached this time and time again on my own podcast but like just go if you can go to any land if you can even a dream hack is just like a magical experience i i, I think it it removes so much of what makes the gaming world toxic and and hard to swallow at times because it just, you know, you get to have real life connection with these people. Um, And I think it legitimizes a lot of connections that you can begin online and it just strengthens them to this level that is just unprecedented. Um, But anyway, that's, that's my mini rant about that. I I love, I love Lance. I I would echo that. Definitely go. And DreamHack in a sense is almost better because mm. there's multiple game tournaments that are going on so if like you're full-on nerd like me you're gonna be 
out in the pit watching Fortnite players mm-hmm. play, and then you're like, oh, let me go watch the Smash tourney, and then there's the StarCraft I, two, and it's like just soaking yep. it all in, and you're you're just I'm hanging a big out. Smash guy, yeah, oh, I'm yeah? A big Smash guy, and that's that's something that um that I have wanted like to I've I've tried to kind of get to that like Smash that community when it's in person is so tight knit it's so like grassroots and stuff and, and there's just so much like that is one that i would not hesitate to use the word community i think in fortnite i'm like I'm very hesitant at times I, I, sometimes i employ that yeah like because it, it, it just it doesn't feel like a community to me i yeah. i the first time i truly felt comfortable employing that word was after invitational like actually getting to meet these people in real life and like everyone that was there was so nice and it was just like this unbelievable experience you know getting to talk to people like monster and and a bunch of creators bronos and fox and all these people um but yeah i wish that fort would echo smash um in that way obviously it's it's a lot more difficult because smash is like a 1v1 bracket you can have 15 people in a tournament like that's so much easier to to manage but yeah i love the the tight-knitness of it all but yeah no um being able to to branch out into other games and to, and to watch other esports like i love smash so so yeah dreamhack is a great one i think if you're just that one is a lot more like of a trip i guess or like a a, a vacation in, in that sense than like you know a, a global is like you're obviously there for the competitive aspect mainly and then there's just an added bonus of all the people that share that love of competitive with you um whereas dreamhack can just be like dude go meet all of your friends that you've had online for years at this point and go explore their esports and like it's a much more casual laid back i think is is what i'm getting at but yeah it definitely is and like you're there for whatever you want to do at the dreamhack mm-hmm. versus like if you're there for globals let's say this year it's you're there for the the games how, however they decide yeah. to play them i don't think they've no i think it's two six day six game days days. i would hope so i don't know whatever that's that's a whole other conversation we could dive into that i'm not ready for but yeah it is awesome and like the community in smash is way better um they've Mm -hmm. survived like um who was it it was mango has this awesome rant about how um the smash community is cockroaches and he's like, you'll try and nuke us, but we're going to come back. Yeah. You can't yeah. defeat us no matter what. It'll be a bunch of sweaty dudes in garages playing Smash, <laughs> and you can't stop us. And it's just like, wow. Yeah, yeah. If you took yeah. the money out of Fortnite, I don't know that anyone would have that passion. But it's also mm-hmm. like Smash is almost 20 years old. It may even be 20 years Melee, old. Yeah, Melee, it was 99. I think it's... Oh, or, so, yeah, we're 25. Melee was, maybe with Melee, it was like 01. Oh two. I'm thinking like it's oh one. So yeah, I guess 01, that would yeah. still be twenty years old. Um, yeah, no, it's it's been around forever, and and that is despite Nintendo's frequent attempts to try and oh, yeah. uh to vanquish it as well. Um, that like that it's not like Nintendo has kept this scene running. This is all uh people who are just super passionate about it, and that's I mean that's esports as a whole, man. It is people being so passionate about something that they just do it you know results be damned um it's it esports is that's the beauty of it for me of of esports is being self-made you you just you you're self-taught you're self-made um you know i mean you look at any of the casters like i'm i'm in with a lot of the casters um and that's just you know like you all just started by 
podcasting on your own free time because you enjoyed it and then it grew into a career you look you talk to any of the creators or the pros or any of that they just it started as a passion project and it grew into so much more um and that that truly is like the allure of esports to me and that's you know what i want my career and my journey to be and i'm i've tried that in a lot of different uh sex and and a lot of different uh avenues of that you know like i just started doing like voiceover work and like all that stuff but um yeah it is it's just truly about like finding your passion pursuing your passion and you know if it turns into something then you can make it career you can monetize it you can make it a business Um, but esports at the end of the day it's all about that you know the the indomitable human spirit to just continue something that you're passionate about you know what Let's end on that. That's a great little little <laughs> outro. I appreciate cool. you, man. That's um yeah, I feel very similar. I don't need to add anything to that. Just do it, guys. If you want to actually make it, just fucking do it. That's all that matters and you'll get better as you go. You won't be good at first. You'll get better, you'll get better, you'll mm-hmm. get better, and then hopefully you get good enough. And if you don't, hey, sucks. At least you tried though. Um yep. Jamin, tell everyone where to find you, what you're doing, what's going on. Yeah, uh at Javin TV on Twitter um, and Twitch, and I think my YouTube is now matching that. Um, I have a I have a podcast that I do as well. I had SBG on it. Um, that's at Ghostcoms Pod um, on Twitter and YouTube. All right, go Bye check again. it out, guys. I, I appreciate you all listening wherever you do. Make sure to go leave us a review if you listen for an hour. Tell us whether or not I suck or not, and hey, <laughs> hopefully it's a good one. But thank you, guys. We'll see you next time.